Marty's garden is all about compost worms, composting, farming worms indoors and out, and growing some of the most awesome food around. You can learn how by clicking the subscribe button and hitting the bell so you don't miss any of my videos. Welcome world to the Marty's Garden Show. G'day my friends, and I'm Marty Ware, your agricultural horticultural host from Australia, coming to you today to talk about companion planting. Yes, I'm considering starting a series here on this subject because it's so dear to my heart, and basically what I cover is organics and worm farming and making compost. Now, when we grow these plants using these methods, such as worms and castings and biology and all that really cool fungi and all that stuff. We need to grow the plants well. But once we get them above the ground, we've got to look at them in a different manner to the traditional, well, going right back to the traditional gardening and stuff like in the last 20, 30 years that really monocropping has created huge problems in my eyes around the world and around the globe or around the globe and world is the same thing, right? <laughs> so go on, Marty, get it together, brother. So in the backyard, and you know on farms and all those spaces anyway you know what i'm talking about and basically my introduction to companion planting was a little tiny book that was given to me as a present that probably cost someone about ten dollars it's about 40 years old and i've had it there and it's, i guess it's sort of my little bible to companion planting and what i've learned over the years is by staying away from monocropping and monocropping is basically putting similar plants of the same varieties and species very close together in a whole lot of compact area so that the pests and disease can move through that system quite easily and not imitating nature can create the problem. So in companion planting, what we're doing is we're finding the plants that like to be together, they like to benefit being together, and they actually host one another in some cases, and that can keep anything from pests and pests and diseases away and even uh, improve flavors and some of the recent studies that are being found by scientists now are really really amazing and they do these tests on the tobacco bush the wild tobacco bush because it is a very hardy plant and it has this way of passing out these uh, receptors in oils and things to as a as a plant because I don't know why they chose the tobacco plant, but they did. And what what they found so far is that when certain pests come and attack the plant, the plant knows the saliva from the, the animal, or what type of animal it is, what type of bug or pest it is, and then will send out a pheromone into the air, which will attract the predators. So the predators smell that pheromone, that smell, or whatever, however they're releasing it. And then they'll come to that plant and attack the pest. So they go, thank you, tree. Thank you, plant, for letting us know about that. And then because the plant, the, the tobacco plant can't get up and just walk away, can it? It can't move. So it's worked its own way of self-defense. And the scientists are just getting blown away by these uh, discoveries. And they're working the, on these things absolutely uh, every day in labs and stuff like that. So it's just amazing to see how far it, it's coming along these days. So if you could imagine a plant that might say, for example, some type of grasshopper gets attacked by it, 
It knows if it's living next to the tobacco plant, if the tobacco releases that scent into the air, it will bring the predators that will eat those grasshoppers or whatever is attacking, attacking the plant. So that, to me, that is super-duper interesting, really. And we need to really start looking into that much further as uh, organic gardeners. But just look at it this way, right? Plants, animals and insects don't see colours like we do. They see spectrums. They get scents and things like that from the aromas that are being pushed out from the plants. And if we've got, say, like a whole lot of tomatoes together and they're submitting, like, say, 20 tomatoes in one patch and really nothing else growing in there, it's going to submit that one colour and a very strong odour from what that plant brings out. And so the pests are going to go, oh, wow, they can travel much further. But if, say, one plant... Uh, possibly the scent wouldn't go out anywhere because uh, if it's with it next to a basil and say a basil which is companion and a bit of parsley growing next door the scents are going to get mixed up but if you've got a, a monocrop that scent in the wind can travel for miles and miles and miles and then that insect thinks oh wow i love to go and eat some of that and we'll fly there and head over there and then it'll move in and go well it's lots of food here we'll lay some eggs here we'll breed up we'll get our little families going there's plenty of food they'll be happy here and they'll eat here and live right through the summer forever after and that's a real pain in the bum <laughs> for us so what we want to do is we want to stay away from that monocropping style uh, as much as possible and move into a system such as companion planting and find ways and plants and things that we want to grow. Now, before you start companion planting, the best thing really to do is just plant plants together and don't worry about it too much about this should go with this and this doesn't go with that. You just start doing it, start observing what's going on, and then eventually, you know, like you put your head in the books and uh, look on some graphs and things and look what grows well. Because there's lots of different combinations with about companion planning and some work and some don't. So you need to work, find out what works for you by doing the testing. But if you get yourself a nice little book or a magazine, there's plenty of stuff online as well, um, and start planting around that, then that works really well. Like the three bean, the three sisters, I think it's corn, beans, and cucumbers or something like that. So the beans grow up the corn, and then um, the beans are giving the corn... Um, the beans are giving the corn, the nitrogen, and, and I think the cucumbers then climb up. I'm pretty sure that's the three. That's the most popular one uh, out of all of them that the Indians used to use. So, look, people have been using companion planting like pretty much forever, right? It's something that uh, we were using all around the world before they introduced chemical fertilizers and pesticides and started getting, getting into massive monocropping because the population of the world was growing on listen i'm marty ware from marty's garden now if you want to keep following me subscribe to my show or subscribe over at marty's garden at youtube.com i'm also at martysgarden.com.au and here on my anchor fm podcast and we got more cool content coming up about companion planning in the very near future so have a great day happy gardening and we'll see you at the next podcast real soon.